Here we go. All right. All right. It's the penultimate episode yeah. of season two. That is correct. Dan is inflicting a film on me, one that he has for the last about... Ten years? Yeah, I think more than that. Threatened you with? Has wanted to inflict on me. And finally, I achieved my dream of <laughs> inflicting a specific film on you. The film Apocalypto. You happy now? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not all my life dreams conquered, but it's one of them. Cool. One of my life ambitions was <laughs> to uh, laminate ham. Nailed it. I know, did it. Night before my 30th, it was on my list of things to do before I'm 30. Uh, turns out you sort of can laminate ham, but it's not good for laminators. With great thank- thanks to Rachel Goodsall, who enabled that. She brought around ham and a laminator <laughs> just before. A true friend. She a is. true friend. <laughs> <laughs> but today, we're talking about the film Apocalypto. Yes. Today it was my turn. It was my turn to get my chance to do my thing. And that was Watch, a film from 2007, set in 1502. Whoa. There's some numbers for you. I thought it was 2006. I believe it to be 2007. Let me just giggle it. Oh, great. Disagreement already in the ranks. So you're not going to let me start again? It's 2006, guys. Um, I'm the new expert on this film. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> hit me with something then, expert. Go, go, go. Um, it was filmed in Mexico. Mexico! After a big search for the appropriate jungle. It's very jungly. Yeah, but the right kind of jungle with space for cameras. Because they went to um, Costa Rica and... Guatemala, but that was like too dense a jungle. Oh, you don't want dense jungle when you're filming jungle. Anyway, do you want to regale us with a bit of the storyline? I can do, yes. Um, There's a young hunter called Jaguar Paw. He is the son of Flint Sky. They're taken from their village against their will. A number of the men and women are taken to the major city and along the way we see all the deforestation that the Mayans are wreaking on their environment. They're killing the jungle to get quick lime to paint their uh, ziggurats and all this kind of stuff that they're building and he's going to be offed. He's going to be offered as a human sacrifice to a bloodthirsty Mayan god. Uh, I forget which god. Um, but then there's an eclipse and he is saved from human Handy sacrifice. that. Oh, man. You know, instead of faking a phone call to get out of a meeting, <laughs> an faking eclipse. an eclipse. There was one in 1999. Were you there? No, I was getting out of a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the high priest, I'm going to say, says, all right, just gently off these guys whilst we um, uh, placate the masses. We'll deal with this. Because I think the high priest knew the eclipse was coming. The Mayans were very good about the flight of the so- planets of the solar system and stuff. So I thought it might have been a plot point that they knew the eclipse was coming and they were going to use that to drum up fervor and control the crowd and the masses. Religion, as we all know, Karl Marx said, is the opiate of the masses. And they're going to kill Jaguar Poor and all his friends, but then he escapes into the forest. And so begins dun, dun, a chase. Dun. This film means yep. kind of a lot to you. Yes. Do you want to explain why? I mean, there's several reasons. Re- re- I think I just dribbled a bit. Sorry. <laughs> I'm so excited about this film. <laughs> <laughs> there are several reasons this film means a lot to me. One of them, it's a good film. It is a powerful uh, action film. It's good at what it does. Secondly, I went to see this with a man called Will, one of my very best friends. He was the best man at our wedding. And his best man's speech par- drew parallels between me, my good self speaking now, and the protagonist of this film, Jaguar Paw, the Mayan hunter. And 
And at the time, I was like, why has Will made his whole speech about a film that most people in this room have not seen? Why is the speech it. not about us as a couple and what a great couple we are and, you know, a few yeah. embarrassing stories? It's just, he's just describing this film. It was it was odd. And we've just watched it back just now. And it, it is still odd as a wedding it's speech. It's absolutely <laughs> perfect. It is flawless. I think it summarises so brilliantly will and me you know the the basis of our friendship as he said a lot was me not going to university but spending time with him watching films hanging out but he also i think he took the role of best man and bigging me up and being really incredibly beautiful and honoring of me as a person he put it in that framework and he did that whole i remember him saying that he did that whole speech like that for me and even now, watching it, we just watched it 10 minutes ago. I got emotional listening to that. I Aww. thought, I want to be that man that Will is talking about, that he is making me out to be. You know, that's a f- that's a framework I want to live up to. I was like, that's oh. That's really nice. Let's hear a little bit from Will's speech then. What, dude? And of all the films that cemented our bond, none was more profound than an extremely violent chase movie set in South America and centred around human sacrifice. The name of this film is Apocalypto. You might not know it, but Dan does. It tells the tale of a young Mayan tribesman named Jaguarpur, who is forced from his jungle paradise by greedy hunters, intent on offering him to a bloodthirsty deity. However, fate intervenes, and he escapes their clutches and begins a three-day marathon through the dense jungle, evading Jaguar's quicksand, and perhaps the greatest foe of all, Spanish conquistadors. Why, you might ask, am I discussing a vastly underrated film, though? Because as Dan and I left that cinema that day, all we could talk about was the timeless virtue that Jaguar demonstrated as he escaped those hunters. He defended his family, and Dan knew that the unstop and I knew that the unstoppable drive to defend his family is the finest summation of Dan Jones as a friend, husband, and father that I can hope for. For this reason, I thought it proper to compare um, Dan to the young Mayan hunter, Jaguar Paul. So imagine with me a sprawling South American rainforest untouched by civilization. But something disturbs the trickle of rain from leaves and toads happily croaking for the young mine warrior Daniel Jones exhausted and alone is pursued by ferocious hunters intent on taking his life Dan is aimed by his toned physique his intense loyalty and most importantly is capable of fashioning weapons from jungle flora and fauna (laughs) but what you need to know about Dan is that he will run should a vicious hunter stand in his way Dan will find a toad He will extract the venom from that toad to coat spikes with. He will then fold a blowpipe to cripple his opponents. That sort of resourcefulness will be essential when you guys need to decide what to name your first child. Thank you, Will. Gets me right in the feels. He's such a good dude. Absolute hero. So, the reason Jaguar Port is running is not just to escape, but it's because... His pregnant wife and and child, so he's got an unborn child and a born child. <laughs> a down a hole. No, the the child hasn't come down the <laughs> hole yet. There's one out the hole and one still in the hole. In the hole, within another hole. <laughs> so many holes. It should be called Krispy Kreme the movie. A whole lot of holes. Oh, that's wholesome. Krispy Kremes, most of them don't have holes in them. But some do. <laughs> So, when the village was being attacked, he hid his wife, his pregnant wife and child, down a hole. And so he's Is that good? Back. Is that good advice? I think times have moved on. If she only she had a phone, that would have oh. that would have helped. They could have kept in contact a bit. And well, no. If only she had a phone, that wouldn't have helped because he couldn't have called her. And also, it was fifteen oh two. There was no GPS or or. 999 mm. service. I know, but she could have just watched a bit of Netflix. <laughs> just <laughs> pass the time. Yeah, that's what you do when you're down a hole with a with a four-year-old or whatever. Just put PJ Masks on. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> there was a bit where... No, no, look. Let's <laughs> he's running to his wife, and that's his motivation, and that's what keeps him going. And it's a powerful film. It's about, you know, 
it's about that kind of drive to survive and drive to protect and reunite and stuff. So I've read, I mean, I do love this film quite a bit. I actually have to say, I didn't hate it. It's a good film. It's so disgustingly gruesome. So, like, in the first minute, there's this, like, warthog thing. It's a tapir. Oh, a tapir. That gets um, kind of stabbed, like, by a five-stabbing machine. (laughs) You know, guys, the (laughs) five-stabbing machine. (laughs) You're like, that is really gruesome and really disgusting. But then by the end of the film, you're like, I can't believe I winced about a tapir getting stabbed five times. That's nothing when you've seen, like, a man's heart being pulled out and beating in another man's hand. Like, it's so... Oh, and, like babies being held by their ankles and like it really earns its 18 certificate let's yeah it really does like it makes gladiator look like a kid's film yeah gladiator's a 15 and it makes it look pg Gladiator 15 yeah i believe i mean gladiator is really horrendously gruesome but this is what i think gladiator the percentage of the film that is you know gruesome killing is only like ten percent or something. Much Whereas like this yeah. is like fifty percent. Mm-hmm. Someone's being killed. So favorite death. Oh yeah, the guy who gets a javelin. Yeah. Through his mouth, but you just see it from behind. So the javelin like enters the back of his head, and you just see the front of his head, and a javelin just come poking out of his mouth. Yeah, and a <laughs> tooth and a tooth comes shooting off. That's my favorite. That's also my <laughs> favorite death. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> the javelin comes flying, arcing oh. up through the sky, parab- parabolically plummeting down to the back through through the back of this guy's head, out through the mouth, and knocks a tooth out. And it's just that little <laughs> detail that really that really pushes it over the edge for me. Over the other deaths, I hope it was only a baby tooth. Because I don't tooth. No, I you got to look after your adult teeth. Not if you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> There's if you're gonna watch this one and you haven't seen it before, it's it's very bloody. Do you know what though? It doesn't psychologically mess me up in the way that other films can. Interesting. Like it's how do you mean? Just blood and guts, but there's no like spooky like i wouldn't watch horror that it wouldn't keep me awake at night this film really yeah in the way that even like titanic does because i think it's not relatable i'm not worried about being sacrificed by an ancient (laughs) mayan or being chased by a jaguar i'm not really worried about dying on the titanic but i don't know do you know what i mean like it I think it's more likely that we might drown in a boating accident than be sacrificed on top of a ziggurat to a to an um Yeah, like an ancient I would garden. agree with that. Thanks. But I'd say like that film that we accidentally watched that we thought was recommended that wasn't. Yeah, Sleepers. Yeah. That's a bit more psychological in your head keep you up at night kind of film. I think any film where there's interfering with children Especially yeah. once we had kids. And murder and... That that really... And it's kind of realistic-ish. Like, bothers me deep in my, deep in my yeah. being. Whereas ritual sacrifice... Watching somebody get bashed around with a bit of tree. I'm sort of fine with that. Do you know what? I did say this on the Titanic episode. Anything pre-World War One, I'm over. World War One <laughs> is the last... The, the furthest away thing that I can feel any emotion about anything that happened historically before that I don't I don't care won't keep you awake at night um about the film then oh slavery sad though <laughs> slavery still exists though we haven't cured slavery yeah <laughs> So just after the tapir is captured at the start of the film, you get an insight into the daily life of the village. They're portioning out bits of the kill from the tapir, and one guy gets given the tapir's balls. Oh yeah, I've forgotten all this all this fun stuff at the beginning. <laughs> all the light-hearted stuff. And it is light-hearted at the start. 
in the sense that you know they kill an animal using a violent trap but that would have been hearted that would have been their life and they trick their friend they're pranking him with tape ear balls because he's not able to get his wife pregnant and they're like this is a fertility thing mm. eat tape ear balls they do that on um i'm a celebrity get me out of here it's practically the same <laughs> thing and then uh flint sky who's jagirpaw's dad gives mr tapir balls a different cure and says what you need to do is you need to take this root and rub it down there just before you next do the deed he's got a brilliant hand motion if you if you see the film um look for the hand motion he does when he's talking about um doing it it's quite fun it's just different it's not the standard british um you know pencil and donut <laughs> yeah I, I know. <laughs> um and so he goes and puts this herb on his on his gentleman's area and it's like chili or something and he and his wife both have to both come out with the burning and they have to get it off and the whole village is laughing at them and it's all kind of like light-hearted we pranked our uh, friend uh, who uh. can't have kids he's rubbed chili <laughs> on his balls <laughs> light-hearted have you ever had a friend confide in you that they're struggling to conceive and you have <laughs> some chili to rub on their balls well funny <laughs> you should ask <laughs> of course not no <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also think the other funny bit of that scene is that the mother-in-law is like, oh yeah, go and go and have sex. And she's just like waiting outside the hut. And they come out and they're like, no, please go further away. You can't, I don't want you to hear. There's some great lines in that bit. She says, give me a grandchild or I will have you replaced. (laughs) And then... In ancient Mayan. In ancient Mayan. What's ancient? We should have learned. Should have memorized the sounds. Um, And then the woman's comes out and says mum he can't he can't go with you just there please and she says just get busy <laughs> just, just get can you imagine my mum telling you <laughs> fortunately we have two kids so um that is not a pressure that we have to deal with other pressures but not that one we would by now if um my mum would be doing that standing outside if we hadn't had kids by now do you think your dad would offer me chili to rub on me nads <laughs> No, but pr- worse than that, he'd want to have like a deep heart to heart with you. Do heart to hearts affect the testicles? <laughs> no, I just mean I would personally rather rub chili on my genitals than have a serious heart to heart. I mean, that tells more <laughs> about you than uh, than anyone else, really. So it was written by Mel Gibson and Fahad Safinia. So he wrote it, and they wanted to try and distill the Chase movie, that feeling, that ethos. Um, and obviously he was hot off the heels of The Passion of the Christ, which was in ancient other language, Aramaic, I think. Mm. So he made this in ancient Mayan because he's he's slightly unbalanced. So people actually had to learn ancient Mayan... Yeah, well, it's as close as they could get it, an approximation. It's not like any ancient minds are going to write in and be like, oh, I pronounced <laughs> that wrong. <laughs> so he used a lot of Mexican and Latina and Latino actors. And non-actors. He kind of wanted non-actors, which is odd. Yeah, I think he's, just, he's got a really incredible assortment of people as the cast. It's a really big cast, actually. 700 extras. Wow. And all of those extras needed makeup and hair and wardrobe people. Yeah, lots like, of them had extra ridiculous. teeth things. Like tattoos, skin like scars, like crazy hair things. They had these like latex earlobe things. Yeah, mm. ear extensions. That meant that it looked like they could wear those, you know, those things that like emos are in their ears. <laughs> the emos in the ancient minds are like one. <laughs> Separated <laughs> at birth by a mere 500 years or so, <laughs> give or take. Yeah, they had those ear hole fit flesh tubes. 
think that's it. Yeah, sort of like big bits of twig sticking through their ears and yeah. nose and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, they were. They're, yeah, they're pretty much emos of, of the South Americas. Emos of the past. Yeah. So, you know the Oracle girl who was like that creepy girl that had like horrible warts on her face? Yes, they, they're taken past f- when they're captured and taken from their village to the Mayan city they come across this girl she's like beware of the jaguar she sings to them does she <laughs> I know, I'm just making fun I'm sorry um, yes go on um, she had never seen a movie before she was cast in this movie that's pretty epic that's a I good know. fact How did I don't know any more information than that but I read that has she they now just, seen I a think, movie? <laughs> I think they just got people off the street. So where they were filming, they were just like, okay, we need extras from here. We'll just take you local. We need 700, so I guess they weren't like picky. <laughs> that ke- I was going to say that'll keep your costs down, but there's a great story about um, one of the producers of an old film, and I won't remember the name, but David Mamet relates the story in his book Bambi vs. Godzilla, and he says, how did this guy, the producer of this film, get a thousand extras? And the person he's telling the anecdote says, I don't know. And he says, and you didn't have to pay them. He put up a sign that said, come and be in a film, five five shekels a turn or something, and got a thousand extras and charged them to be in his film. Genius! <laughs> um, I doubt that uh, Crazy Mel Gibson did that. He probably paid these people i hope he paid these people it looked really fun though so i just watched this like little youtube documentary about how they made it and it it did seem like if you lived in that village that um mel just rocked up to and decided to make a film about <laughs> like every imagine like everyone in your village imagine if they made a film about Bellevale. <laughs> they were like Ooh. we're looking for local Bellevale people who've got that Bellevale look to, is that um, us <laughs> Is that us? I know you think you're a bit more on Gattaca, but you know. Um, wow. Anyway, imagine everyone from your village like being in this film. You'd want to be part of it. And then they were all, so there was this bit that I saw was they were all like round little campfires, like singing and dancing. And Mel Gibson was just like wandering around, being like, "You guys start dancing now. You guys start dancing." And that looks so fun. And they're obviously all in their costumes and stuff like that. And the whole, everything was like real, like the sets that they made when they made the city bit. They made those massive like pyramid things. And they made, so like the market, they made all of those like mud hut things. Like it, it was just all, all real and 700 people. So like it would be really cool to be a part of. It looks fantastic. Yeah, I think you can tell that there's there's not a big reliance on CG for those things, and I think we were watching a Blu-ray. I don't know if our TV is really good enough to make it look different, but even those opening shots of the jungle, mm. it just looks so good. It looked yeah. well lit and well framed, and though I mean those temple bits and the market where they're dragged through mm. and like they start to be painted and stuff just the colors it looked incredible like as i think as a visual spectacle yeah it was really remarkable yeah it would it would have been cool to see i think like to be a part of even though it was a disgusting film yeah i think i've seen the same bit of footage it might even be the behind the scenes that's on the disc of because there's a big party scene before they get abducted, and he's just running around. Mel Gibson, out of shot, is running around like cheering up these people mm. and dancing around like a bit of a crazed monkey man. Um, and it does look like a fun way to make a film, yeah. Because I think some of the other films we've looked at and read up, it seems very like I don't imagine James Cameron doing that on Titanic, you know, yeah. I feel like being in a jungle with real people must make the job of acting, especially for non-trained yeah, yeah, actors, yeah. must make it easier. Yeah, I actually saw this guy, one of the sort of chaser guys, the one of the, like, warrior ones, Yeah, he said that when he had his costume on, he just felt like he became this person, like he didn't have to act because it was all 
everything was all so real like the costumes were so detailed and everything like he just felt like he just became the warrior when he put those things on i feel like some of those chasers especially um the main chaser who has this helmet and the bottom part of the helmet is like a jaw from a monkey or something yeah crazy i feel like you would put that on and think i am badass <laughs> i am like don't mess with me i can fling a javelin right through your head you know kind of, i feel like you would get that sense i don't know i'm not an actor or a badass mm. so so you know the king in this film yes yes he was a dock worker who was an extra and then they were like ah you'll do the king sweet <laughs> i was just thinking um the prophetess girl do you think she was even old enough to be able to watch the film that she'd been in? No, I doubt, I doubt it. If I was her parents, I would not let her watch that. For like 10 years. I wondered probably. about the kids in it, because there's a few kids in it. You think like, what? how do they make that not psychologically disturbing for them? Yeah, there's some there's some worrying bits, especially in the abduction scene i've written down in my notes an ooh every four minutes from you you're like ooh, ooh, ooh. i didn't time them exactly but it felt like very frequently i'm hopeful that the children would be old enough aware enough to know that it's all a game it's all a film it's all make-believe but there is a sequence where the adults are separated from the children and yeah. the adults are taken away and the children are abandoned to the jungle yeah, there's this bit where they're at the river and the adults are like crossing the river and the the kids are not crossing. They're just stay, they're it's just too like, deep oh. for the kids. And the the bigger child is like, oh, look after them. Oh, yeah, that's probably heartbreaking. And she must be like seven or eight. Yeah. She's shouting, don't worry, I'll look after them. I'll keep them safe. And you're like, no, seven-year-old should have to forge a life in the jungle by themselves. Oh, but they do. Then the women are then sold as slaves in the market, and it's quite um, brutal. The woman, the mother-in-law, who's been sat outside the tent saying, just get busy, doesn't get bought. Nobody will buy the old lady. Aww. She's just left to wander the marketplace. That's sad. Yeah, there's a high level of attrition in this film, in more ways than one. But shouldn't she should be happy about that? Uh... No, I don't. I don't think so. Would you be happy if you were taken from your home and all the people you know were killed or s- taken into slavery, but then you were not a slave; you were just abandoned? I'd be, yeah, I'd be happy. To, to I'd be more happy to be abandoned than to be a slave. Hmm. There's no welfare state, though. It's going to be tricky to feed. This. Anyway, I'm an independent woman. Calm down, Destiny's Child. <laughs> oh, do you remember a bit where a, a head rolls down some steps? Many heads roll down some steps, oh. and then the headless corpses follow them. Oh. As he's escaping, and there's, there's, we should say, there's some level of dispute from scholars. So they consulted a, um, a scholar in ancient Mayan Yeah, stuff it is quite historical. To try and make it as accurate as possible, they consulted a, a proper professor. But then there's a bit, for example where he falls into a grave of all the people who've been beheaded and sacrificed. Yeah. And there's some scholars, reading up about it as I did, there's some scholars who say there's no evidence that that happened or would happen. Yeah, that is a creepy bit. Do you want to know a fun fact about that bit? Certainly do. There's one frame in that bit, which you wouldn't see because is there like 24 frames? 24 frames a second in standard film, yeah. Where... A guy is dressed as Wally, like, where's Wally? No way! On top of the corpses. That's awesome! And someone put that in for a joke. Great, I like that. I can't remember. <laughs> someone, good job, someone. <laughs> You're getting a special shout-out, Mr. Wally someone. Yeah. Um, I know we've talked a little bit about the gruesomeness, but this time seems a good time to bring up a quote from you as you were watching it i say i was saying how good a film it was as i was watching it, i was still enjoying it and you was i was trying because you were sort of into it it's hard yeah i i was into it like it's definitely not something i'd choose but i'd rather be 
Maybe I'm about to say the quote you're about to say. Go on. Go no, on. no, you say it. I'd rather be totally grossed out and it's interesting than be bored. So what you said during the filming was intent during the watching, sorry. Intense gruesomeness is better than boredom. Yeah, it is. Like I think it's a very description of gripping. Yeah. It's a gripping film. I did actually get into it. It's very similar to Gladiator, I think, in the way that I watched it. Of, I wasn't bothered about Gladiator. The first half an hour, I was a bit b- bored, and then, then I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm in. I'm into it now. I'm following the storyline." And this, I, what I like about some of the films that I like of yours are the ones with actually a simple storyline. There was no, there was no bit where I was like, "Oh, I don't really get who who's that, and what's happening." Mm, it yeah. was just like good guys, bad guys. And just chasing this man and just a million different ways to die, <laughs> but easy to follow. Whereas The Matrix was like, what? And who's he? And uh, it was just boring. Yeah. And uh, gun battles I find boring. I, if if I'm going to watch a film with loads of deaths, I'd like a, a variety of ancient deaths, please. <laughs> I will bear that in mind <laughs> for future films. When they talk about it, when Mel Gibson and Fahad Safinio, who wrote the film, talk about it, they talk about wanting to distill the concept down to its core elements to try and strip away everything else, like guns or cars or whatever, and to just get right back to the heart of it, of that kind of chase thing. And I think it really works. You know, it's it's so streamlined, but in a sense like efficient mm. you know it gets to the heart of that subject of that tension and it just it just goes for it there's no messing around once yeah. he starts running it's like boom and then it starts raining and their sinkhole fills up and they start like or his wife and child start almost drowning and you're like oh another level of tension yeah yeah but also birthing pool yeah, a you natural said, birthing pool. Oh, water birth. This is perfect. <laughs> and then he said, "Oh no, don't die." <laughs> but also, I thought if it fills up to the top, they'd just sort of float up and be able to get out. Yeah, I think they'd probably been down there for about three days with no food. So, mm. oh, she gives birth right with this. This is a less than natural. This was not the birth plan she had written down. Right? <laughs> Did hole. she laminate her birth plan? <laughs> she said it didn't waterproof. <laughs> um, so. In a hole, with like a four-year-old on her shoulders, yep. in some water that's too deep for her to stand up in, yep. without her husband there, or partner, mm-hmm. and having not eaten for three days or something. Tricky, that. Tricky birth, that. And also, no epidural. I'm not an ancient <laughs> Mayan midwife. That sounds at less than ideal. <laughs> yeah. I'd rate that as troublesome. <laughs> but how hot is the guy at the end? The, like the last scene where it's all okay. Spoilers. Um, what? The last scene where that guy's done all that, avoided death like a million times in a million different ways. And then then he's got the baby in a sling. You're like, oh, here oh. we go. <laughs> I don't know what it is about a man with a baby in a sling, but mm-hmm. <laughs> he was pretty hot in that scene. In that one scene, <laughs> not the scene where he's practically naked, but for a loincloth, which is <laughs> well, ev- the that's majority ev- of the film. He's <laughs> so many bums. Lots of bums. Uh, you did also say cute baby. Yeah, cute baby. My other favorite death. <laughs> the favorite death, in terms of the person who was inflicting it the the way of it being inflicted creative death yeah was the frog scene which will has mentioned yeah we love the frog scene he gets a a spike he gets three spikes offered some kind of spike plant and pokes them into a poisonous frog yeah it's so far-fetched not far-fetched at all then he rolls <laughs> a leaf into a blowpipe and, and then he goes <laughs> And, and manages to shoots a guy with it three times the three all three spikes. And it's a fast acting toxin fast acting toxin. He did. Oh, he also hits him in the head, I think. Is the frog off. dead too? 
No, the frog's fine, right? Really? That's the thing uh, that really impressed me. <laughs> he like doesn't mess around. He's stabbing that those How spikes in. Is that a real frog? I don't know. It looked pretty real, right? But then I was like, should he be handling a poisonous frog? Well, it doesn't have to be really poisonous. Maybe the... Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Movie magic. <laughs> because you actually don't want to blow poison into a... <laughs> I don't think... Yeah. <laughs> <All> <laughs> you right. didn't need to get poisonous frog. Call myself a film expert. <laughs> Call myself a toad expert. <laughs> oh, dear. You've thrown me completely there, yeah. I was looking for... That disclaimer at the end of the credits. No <laughs> animals were harmed in the making of this oh, film. Oh, I'd love to give a shout out to the frog. That disclaimer <laughs> was not there. <laughs> now, I've thought that the animals that get involved in this, there's a monkey that gets beaten to death by the mum down the hole. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I wonder if they ate that to help them stay alive. But anyway, mm. there's a jaguar that eats a man's face and then gets repeatedly oh, stabbed. Oh, yeah. There's the toad. There's a baby jaguar. That's cute. That's, sorry. There's the tapir. The tapir. I thought the the jaguar that eats the man's face, they used a real animal for some of that. And then when they're stabbing wow. it, it was quite clearly not a real animal. But that toad well, looked that real. And I, mm, the I monkey didn't kill a toad me. for a movie. Like, I'm not, I'm not against that. There you go, folks. There you, you go, eat, officers. If you eat ham sandwiches you can't be like oh i wouldn't kill a toad for a movie i don't eat ham sandwiches so uh <laughs> you're talking to the wrong person there love i did not know that you'd you'd be down for some toad slaughter well i just think it's only a toad isn't it it is a cog in nature's delicate mm. food pyramid what's that what's that pyramid <laughs> that triangle called nature's um I know what you mean. <laughs> that like, what's that pre-GCSE <laughs> yeah. nature triangle called? <laughs> the... <laughs> I, can't I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's going to annoy me. The natural order of things. Do you eat the circle of life? Uh, yes, let's quote Elton John <laughs> rather than... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, biologists, we apologise. Uh, tweet us. The food chain. The food chain. That's what it is. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, if you take that f- toad out of the food chain, somewhere else a cow flaps its wings and China's under a hurricane. Did you think there were any plot holes? Because I've just got one major plot hole. Oh, really? Go on then. Okay, that was that after... So, the main guy escapes being sacrificed. Yeah. Lucky him. And then, I think because of the eclipse. Yeah, yeah, we, we, I thought I covered and that. And then they're like... They said to the king, like, oh, what should we do with these guys then? And he's like, dispose of them. Um, so then they go and play this game, which is how they dispose of people they don't want... Yeah, it's sort of like British Bulldog, if you've ever played that, but Ancient Mind Bulldog, where you, you die. More deathy. Um, so they have all these guys, and they're like, if you can run to that cornfield, you're free. They start running, and then they, and then all the bad guys start like throwing... I was going to say jaguars, but I mean <laughs> javelin. I mean a leopard. They threw a leopard. <laughs> and just... And arrows and whatever, or chasing them, or just doing horrible stuff. And there's basically like no way they can escape. It's all just a little fun game to them. Yeah, it's definitely set up so he's not meant to escape. There's bows and arrows, slings with rocks, there's javelins, and there's a guy at the far end to finish them off once they've been arrowed and slinged and everything to death. So anyway, this guy, although he gets... The ma- the main guy Jaguarport he gets very badly injured. An arrow to the gut. But doesn't doesn't die. Manages to escape to the field, and then all of the guys go after him. Right. And then this continues for days and days, and they go all through the jungle right back to where he's from. Yeah. But you think. There were loads more guys waiting to run through the thing. 
they must all be free now. Why would, why would, how many people is it? Like 20 people care so much. 20 people chase one guy when all of the other guys would have just been able to escape. It makes no sense. Well, it makes a little bit of sense. So, yeah, there's about, um, I wouldn't say there's 20 people, there's about five to eight baddies who set off in chase. And it's because the finisher, who's meant to stand at the end and uh, kill them when they've been javelin and everything, is the son of the main hunter. And Jaguar Boar kills the son whilst he's escaping, and this so upsets. It really naffs him off, the main hunter. Oh, is he irked. <laughs> it so distresses him that he says, forget them, we're going after that one. He's killed my son, I'm going for it. Overlooking the fact that one of his hunters had killed Flint Sky, Jaguar dad, at the, in the raid, you know. Mm. And he'd done that because Jaguar had almost escaped. And then they'd found out that that was his dad. And so he's killed Jagiopor's dad. And now Jagiopor has killed the hunter's son. So is this, it's, you know, violence is a vicious cycle. If they could have just mm. hugged. I know. I actually thought there was loads of times where he could have just, like, played dead and got away with it. So especially when he was just walking on bodies of dead people. I was like, if he just sort of got in like half among the bodies i know that would be like really disgusting i think they would have just not been able to find him like a where's wally thing in owen wilson's best film behind enemy lines which is a film where he's uh, a u.s air force uh pilot downed over kosovo he actually does that he hides under some bodies in a mass grave yeah it's gross, but I think in the circumstance that was his best option. They would have been like, no, okay, yeah, he's probably dead. We're Let's learning go. all sorts of things about you. <laughs> you don't know. mind hiding in a mass grave? No, if I wouldn't. It calls for said, it. Don't mind. <laughs> and you definitely oh. don't mind a bit of toad slaughter. <laughs> okay, over what did happen, which was he like ran away, ran up a tree. Then there was a jaguar in the tree. How unfortunate is that? And then the jaguar was like trying to chase him. And then all the other stuff that happened, he fell into a muddy puddle. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Peppa Pig. It was quicksand. Um, I think the, I mean, putting aside the whole movie magic of the whole thing, yeah. um, you know, willing suspension of disbelief, if he hides in that pit under the bodies, that's fine. But how long does he hide for? And... What guarantees that when he does decide to come out, he doesn't get spotted then and there's somebody right next to him, whatever, you know, like, he continues to run and run and run because he wants to... I mean, to it makes a better feel than just half an hour of him hiding under his body and then people giving up and going home. That would be a dull film. That would be a dull film. <laughs> and him slowly bleeding out underneath <laughs> the bodies. Um, yeah. He wants to get to the jungle. But that's, you know, his wife is there. Or partner. It's not clear if they're married. I didn't see rings on their face. I don't know if they got married in that culture or what the yeah deal was. so his his lady yeah and his son are there and he's not going to stop for anything and that's like he jumps off a waterfall yeah a ruddy great water like a ridiculous how do they film that bit it looked a bit fake to me on reflection it looked like a green screen i haven't read up on exactly how okay. they did that stunt it was impressive but then you think actually that's a stupid thing to do. <laughs> well, it's... he didn't have much option, but yeah. the fact that he survived was unlikely. Fortunate, very fortunate. Uh, a number of the pursuers, so then they all jumped down, and a few of them died. Yeah, the chief hunter whose son has been killed says, "We're all going after him." And w one of the other pursuers says, "Great, we'll, we'll climb down the side then." Yeah, and the guy's like, "No, no, no, we're all going over the waterfall." Let's get it on. And that's uh, the wrong time to <laughs> quote Marvin Gaye, isn't it? And <laughs> Don't go chasing waterfalls. Please stick to the blue. <laughs> TLC. I wonder if that might have worked if you knew the lyrics. Well. <laughs> so uh, they jump over the waterfall. One of the other guys, one of the chasers, uh, cracks his head on an unseen boulder an underwater boulder and uh, 
yeah, it's not not a great thing, but it's it's to indicate, I think, his drive, his iron will, and he sets his mind to his purpose, and that's it. He's gone. Yep. If your woman's in a hole, jump down a waterfall. No argument from me. <laughs> Would you like to do a credit shout out? Yeah, sure. <laughs> you stole you stole my line. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. It's time for the credit shout out. Shout out! Shout out! That's what this podcast is all about. We big up a person with a silly job or name. Like shoe coordinator. This is bound to lead to their future fame. Some of the characters had quite fascinating names. Yeah. So Is that like real of what kind of names they would have had? I don't know. Jaguar Paul is, is fair. You know, like I'm I'm okay with Jaguar Paul. P-A-W, not P-O-O-R. Oh, poor Jaguar. <laughs> but Jaguar Paul's son is called Turtles Run. Oh, yeah, that's Quite nice, cute. played by Carlos Emilio... Uh, can't read what I've written. Sorry, Carlos Emilio. There goes your surname. If you had to give yourself that kind of genre of name, I think I'd be called Night Rainbow. Night Rainbow. <laughs> what do you think? Night Rainbow. <laughs> Sleep well. Well, I mean, this next character it was called Speaking Wind. I have a fear that you might call <laughs> me like Bottom Wind or something. Speaking Wind was played by Marco Antonio Argetta. Good work. I wanted to give a particular shout out. You mentioned it before. The hair and makeup. Yeah. Like that looks it's like loads of people, but a colossal whoa. job. Yeah, I saw a bit on the documentary of them all like queuing up. And so it was just like a big sort of marquee with loads of seats. They're all kind of squashed in. It wasn't like they got a big room. Not COVID safe. Like no. Um and they're all sort of queuing up outside. It was like it was like, you know, when people queue for food at a wedding side of ma- wedding marquee okay that. and then they when someone a makeup artist becomes free like a red light comes on you know like you know like when you buy your shopping from the uh robot thing makeup artist number three please <laughs> yeah and then they go there because imagine having to get 700 people in makeup like and and that's every day it's not like that you know the the next day you've got to do it all, all over again. again i guess even to take it off would be an effort as well so the the head the hair and makeup designer was Aldo Signoretti, but there were twenty seven makeup assistants listed. That actually doesn't seem that much if there's seven hundred people extras. I don't think there was seven hundred every day. No, no. For the city scene that's where that's when there was loads. But yeah, like what's seven into twenty seven hundred into twenty seven? Mm, it's a it's a lot, isn't it? You're doing each one a lot. There was some uh, underwater cinematographer, Marion Zurek. I was like, "Yeah, that is cool. That's a cool job." A sneeze. Yeah, when you when you go to dinner parties and you're like, "Oh, hello, I'm Daniel, and I write procedures," and the person next to you, "Oh, hello, I'm Marion Zurek. I'm an underwater cinematographer." Like, but imagine being at a dinner party and someone's like, "Oh, what do you do?" "Oh, I'm a cinematographer." "Oh, that's so interesting. What do you do?" I'm an underwater cinematographer. <laughs> Who cares about the bog standard cinematographer? That's hard to say. There was a fire artist, Pat Clancy. Cool. I think he did some work to develop the fire. Uh, and my last one, I think, is um, there was an ensemble, Jan, Tony, Robert and Gao played the ethnic woodwinds. Is <laughs> how they were described, those four of them. For uh, for the sound recording, so good job to you guys. The I did think the soundtrack when it played was quite good, a bit reminiscent of uh, Terminator Two. I thought. I don't know. I don't really notice sound. Uh, Apart from when it comes to your bottom. <laughs> <laughs> so rude and unfair. You notice all the sounds that come out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that seemed a bit harsh. I was going to talk about Simon Atherton. Do you know who that is? The armourer? Yeah, he's like an expert in all like weapons and stuff. Cool and job. He's, w- he's worked with Mark Gibson before on 
watched some other film. Braveheart, I think. Oh, yes, you said yes, yes, yes. Um, and he knows, like, historically all the stuff. Like, they didn't have metal in those times, but they did have this really sharp thing called... Obsidian? Obsidian, yeah. Obsidian, yeah. yeah it's yeah. a sharp black rock. Yeah. And the the frog idea was his idea. What a legend. I know, yeah. I'll have to tell Will. Shout out to him. Shout out to His role is armourer, which is like a cool role. I'm the weapons expert for films. Yeah. I'm sure I've seen him credited on other films, um, but I was too lazy to go and find out what they were. So thank you for doing some of that work for me. You're welcome. <laughs> I think that concludes this episode then. Thanks yeah. very much for watching, listening. Thanks so much for listening. Um, are we doing something next week? Yes, next week is the very last one. So I've watched one of your films, you've watched one of my films, we've watched lots of recommendations from other people. Thank you but so the much. very last episode, we are going to be showing our children the film... The Wizard of Oz and seeing what they have to say about that. So that'll be interesting. Tune in next week to hear four voices instead of two. Yep. All for the same price. Of free. <laughs> free, yeah. Yeah. Um, so thanks very much. I'll see you next time. Stay safe out there. Don't go down any sinkholes. <laughs> Bye. I wouldn't